What's up, everybody? This is the Concealed Carry Texas podcast. I'm your host, Todd Springer. If you would, please go leave us a rating and follow us on Instagram at Concealed Carry Texas Podcast. All right, what's up, everybody? We're here with Doug and Zach of Greg Performance Shooting. Um, how's everything been going here lately? Going pretty good, actually. How have you been doing? It's been good. Uh, been doing some training. Uh, been doing. Been trying to get to dry fire a couple times a week. Um, definitely been doing live fire about once a week, and it's really been paying off. Um, really, really been into it. Um, I saw that y'all got in there. Um, Y'all added some more classes, some new courses. Yeah, we uh, we sat back and kind of reevaluated what we had, some classes that we offered, and then looked at what people were asking for. And uh, Zachary developed some more advanced defensive classes for us, and I kind of went the other way with some fundamental classes, and then classes that are just just going out and having fun shooting. Uh, a lot of people. Uh, want to get off of that of standing at a lane and just shooting at, at paper. So we have some classes just to let them kind of run around and shoot stuff like they've never done before. <laughs> um, I also, I've been, since y'all have been kind of stepping up your social media presence, I saw that you got a, a Gucci slide for your SIG. Oh my Lord. Yes. <laughs> yes. I've been, I've been giving you a hard time. <laughs> Hey, it's okay. I'm 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 in the Gucci Glock family, so I, I I completely understand. I I uh I had a regular P320 carry, and it was my one of my EDC guns. Well, the the sights were loosening up on it. The iron sights had kind of loosened up from me abusing it, and uh, so I wanted to put a red dot on it. So I started looking at the cost of having the slide mill put a red dot. And then one of the other instructors that I've been helping out down in Conroe, his wife works for Primary Arms, and he's like, hey, I can get you a hollow sun if you want a hollow sun. Uh, so one of the new ones. So I'm like, sure. So I got the hollow sun. Well, the slide I was going to get milled out was not milled for a hollow sun. It was milled for a Romeo 1. And uh, so I searched trying to find something that could fit both on there. And for the price of me sending my slide out to have the milling done, I could get a brand new slide with all of that already on there. So, yeah, I bought this slide because it could put two different types of optics on it. But, man, I never would have picked out something that looked like that on purpose. <laughs> you know, it's 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 very it's very interesting, though, because when I really first got into building custom firearms, I was kind of the same way. Like, I liked them, but I wasn't sure of the reliability because there's a lot there's a lot of product out there when you start looking around and it's hard to distinguish between, you know, who's gone through trial and error, yep. what's shit and what's actually good. But there is actually a lot of good product out there from, oh, yeah. from, you know, from my experience and what I've seen, but it's uh man, I like it. I don't know it. Some people <laughs> don't, some people like the store bought. I, I like adding my own touch to it and it's, you know, it's mine and nobody else's. Yep. That's what matters. Yeah. He was yeah. originally looking for, at the pro cut slide made by Sig to put that on there. But uh, didn't you say that the, the it was, holes didn't line up for the whole sun on that Yeah, they, Sig doesn't offer one from the factory that does an RMR or a hollow sun. 
So I had to start looking at aftermarket uh, people who did it specialized. And like I said, eh, it, it's gonna, okay. We're going to find out. We're, we're going gonna... <laughs> to shoot it tomorrow just to see what it does. But eh, it looks pretty. You'll, fi- <laughs> you'll find out. Quick. Hey, that's all that matters. If it looks good, you can stop them with it. Um, so anyways, for moving on, for the people out there that are listening that don't know who you are, that don't know your background – um, let's, let's get into, you know, what your background is, what it was that made y'all want to be firearms trainers and, uh, you know, what kind of training y'all actually offer. Yeah. Um, Zach, Zach's going to sit down for a while. Cause he's like, Oh God, yeah, I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, long, longish type version is I didn't grow up shooting guns. Um, didn't shoot a gun until I was 18 in the army. Um, didn't even really care about shooting guns until after I retired. And, uh, it's just like everybody else. I was watching YouTube videos and I said, I want to get proficient because I bought a handgun and I want to be able to defend myself in my house. So I watched all the videos and I went to an IDPA match and I walked in there like, I am the shit. I'm a combat veteran, 24 years in the army. Purple Heart, blah, 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 blah. I went in here and got my butt handed to me like I had no idea what I was doing. Um, so I was very disgruntled, but at the same time, I was like, okay, how do I learn to do this better? So I spent the first season getting my butt handed to me and losing, coming in last place every every month. Um, then I said, all right, how can I get better? Cheap. You know, because the the YouTube stuff for me wasn't working. So I found out that uh, I lived in Vermont at the time. I lived next state over from Six Hour Academy. And I found out that they took the GI Bill. So I took my GI Bill from the Army and went to Six Hour Academy for three years. And, That's one way to do it. Because yeah. I, had, I had, you know... I'd heard about six hour Academy and I had looked into it before and I started going down the list of all the courses and the costs and everything. I'm like, there's no way, man. Like there's no way you could just get through all of this. It's. Oh, I did. I got so lucky. I walked into the VA and they're like, so you want to change your career? And I'm like, yeah, I want to be a firearms instructor. And the woman that I was working with actually said, is that even a real job? So (laughs) I was like, well, yeah, I mean, I was using that as the reason. I didn't know if I wanted to be an instructor, but I was using it as the reason to, as to get them to pay for the training there. Um, so I brought all the information, showed her that it was, and I worked with the training people uh, at SIG, and we came up with a whole curriculum of starting from basic, you know, 101 type firearm stuff all the way through their master instructor program and submitted it to the VA. And the VA is like, okay, when are you going to start? And they paid for all the classes. They paid for all my ammo. They paid for my travel. The only thing they didn't pay for was the gun. That was wow. So I was That's very, insane. very, very, very fortunate. I, um, very fortunate in must that aspect. Yes, it must be nice. Because I could have given my GI Bill to him, but no, I kept it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, it was funny. I was, I was halfway in the middle of training going through all my training at SIG and I started reaching out and talking to other more well-known instructors uh, on Facebook and stuff like that. And this is my one interaction with James Yeager 
uh, messaging him back and forth. And I was asking him if he was coming up to New England area. And he's like, why? Why would I ever want to come up there? But uh, he, and I told him about what I was doing. And he had recommended that I broaden my horizons. He says, go train with other people. Don't just stay at sick. So I started traveling around the country, finding all these other higher end instructors to train with. Um, trained with Mike Seeklander, uh, trained with Kyle Lamb. Uh, I always forget the other guy's name. I only took a couple classes with him, but he was another ex-Special Forces guy. So I traveled around because I wanted to get the best training I could from different people in the, in this business. Um, and then somewhere in that process, working with the SIG, SIG Academy instructors, I was like, wow, these guys are phenomenal. Um, this is what I want to do for a living now. And this is in my mid-40s. I was like, all right. I was now at that time I was a, a charge of maintenance for a very large company, you know, making some decent money. And I looked at my wife and I said, I want to quit and make almost no money being a firearms instructor. And <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here I am. Uh, I was doing it for a couple of years in Vermont. Um, very small state. So I didn't have a lot of competition teaching type of stuff that I did. I started out teaching a lot of competitive shooting and a lot of like personal defense and then some tactical crap up there. Uh, and Zachary took an interest in it while I was up there. He started doing some classes down here. Uh, my wife and I, we moved down here and GPS took off from day one. Uh, we, we put a schedule out and did whatever we could. So I went from a state with almost no firearms instructors to now I live in a state where everybody is a firearms instructor. <laughs> and that was tough because, like I said, I had that nice little niche up there where nobody did what I did. Now I come down here and everybody who grew up shooting a gun calls themselves a firearms instructor. So we had to figure That's a out, true statement. Yeah. That's an absolute true statement in Texas, unfortunately. It is. And you have a variety of skill levels. You have the dude, my uncle twice removed was a ranger in Vietnam and he showed me his gun one time. So now I can teach people to, you know, you've got some high level, you know, tier one operator dudes teaching stuff so, and everybody in between. So we're in Vermont. I taught everything. Uh, I had to figure out what I was going to teach down here. Um, so I was very, very fortunate that I hooked up with Carl Wren from KR Training. And I said, hey, you know, my name's Doug Gregg. I just moved to the state. I'm an instructor. Uh, like to get established in the area. I was told to reach out to you to help me out. And he, he said, well, you know, I got a lot of people, but send me your resume and what you've done. And I'll see if I can use you. Sent to my resume. 10 minutes later, he called me up and he said, when you, can you come down here and show me you can shoot? Went down there, shot uh, a whole bunch of different drills for him. And I've been one of his instructors ever since. And uh, he has been phenomenal in helping me get established. And he, uh, you know, tells other people about my classes. He promotes my classes, not just his. So, yeah, I mean, it's unheard of. I've never heard of anybody doing something like that. But, I mean... The guy has been great for us down here. That's awesome. That's great. And, you know, I mean, going back to, <laughs> you said everybody in Texas is a firearm instructor. You know, I, you know, I, I grew up the same way. I grew up hunting outdoors, um, 
you know, spent a lot of time just plinking and doing stuff like that. And, you know, when I, when I came and trained with you, you know, I told you that I was like, Hey, you know, I've shot for a long time. Um, like I'm not bad, but I'm not great. And I know I could be better and kind of pointed out what I, what I was looking to do. You asked me what I wanted to accomplish. And I told you, and you looked me over and I shot for, you know, a couple times and you're like, okay, we can fix this in five minutes. You know, it was nothing to it. It, yeah. it really, I wasn't, I guess to say, I just needed the right direction in the right areas. I just, you know, I wasn't yeah. really like as bad as in the back of my mind, like, okay, maybe I'm <laughs> not as good as I think I might be. <laughs> you got, you got his head inflating over here now. <laughs> well and zachary can i'm sure zachary can agree uh what we found with a with a majority of our students are the ones who think that they're really bad and you can tell somebody who just says that they think they're bad but you know they're just trying to say that to be humble and then there's the people who genuinely think that they're bad they tend to be a lot better than they really think they are it's the ones that come into us and like we're intermediate to advanced level and we get them to shoot and they fall apart in five seconds and then look at us like they don't want to be there anymore. The the Um, egos die quickly. So, uh, (laughs) and, and we're not, we're not, I would say we're not assholes to them. We, we understand. Uh, No, and absolutely not. I mean, I I can attest with that for, you know, I took your intermediate, I did your defensive one and two. I mean, it was, it was a great time. Y'all are the, which Zach, I didn't train with you, but Doug, you know, I mean, you're the kind of guy, you know, somebody can go sit down and have a beer with, you know, you're not, you're not an uptight drill instructor. Like some of these, you know, you, I, when you look online, you see some of the, yeah, you see some of these videos and these guys, you know, it's not where, it's not where it's like, okay, let's look at your weaknesses and figure out what we need to do to make you better. It's, this is how we're going to do it. This is the way you're going to do it. And you're going to do it exactly the way that I tell you. And they just run people through there. And it's like, okay, well, what if somebody learns differently? What if somebody works at a different pace? Like, I, I don't feel like that's as, as great as they make it out to be. And for the most part, some of those classes, I mean, they're upwards of 300 something dollars. You start yeah. running those classes, and, and most of them require you to go through their prerequisites. So you got to go through beginner, intermediate, before you ever get to any defensive training. And regardless of what kind of shooter you are, and by that time, it's a you know you're upwards of a thousand dollars just in training, let alone what ammo costs are now. And I mean. Okay. Some some mom in middle America isn't going to be able to afford anything like that to get decent training to defend her family. You know, I mean, it's some of it's in, insane. Yep. Mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Zach? I was just saying that they're on. You, you're, he said it. Uh, you're requested to do it at their pace. You can't learn at your own pace. You got to do it at their pace in those types of classes. And not everybody learns the same. Um. So, I mean, that's that's why I don't like the red shirt instructor. And because, I mean, it's, it's yelling at you. It's everything's fast paced. And it's just drill after drill after drill after drill. And you don't actually learn anything. You're just putting holes in paper. Yeah. Uh, we, made a, we made a decision when we started looking at class sizes and the type of classes we were going to hold and stuff like that. 
uh, yeah, I used to have those 50, I mean, 15 to 20 people in one class uh, in Vermont. Um, here's what happens. You end up having to run the class at a certain pace because the slower people are holding down, holding back the faster people. And now the, the guy that can run his gun faster and is there want to learn more, they're frustrated because they're being held back because of the slow person. But then if you start speeding up, the slow person gets frustrated because they're not learning. And it can put the fast guys now uh, trying to, you know, go as fast as they can. So our, our classes are maximum six people. And that's with Zach and I out there um, because we want to teach at your pace. And when having just six people, and the two of us out there, if we have to take two people off to the side, two or three people, we can take you off to the side and teach at a different pace while the other guys teaching the same curriculum, maybe now a little faster, uh, give you that individual attention. Um, we like to use the term coach versus instructor because the instructor to me is the guy that runs you through uh, drill after drill after drill after drill, and regardless. And when you leave at the end of the day, they may not even know what your name was. We know the name of everybody that comes to our classes. And uh, and that's, we just love it. It's a much more intimate, uh, unintimidating environment. And for us, I'm up all night, the night before the classes, learning your names. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Yeah. Because, I mean, nothing's worse. You, you figure these people are spending a lot of money to learn a skill, whether it's just to learn how to use a firearm or to learn how to defend themselves. They're already nervous. They're already like, do I know what I'm doing? Is this guy going to yell at me or what, what's going to happen out there? Uh, and we want to make it, you know, it's an enjoyable experience as you know, but it's also, we do parts of it and we take it serious or we start talking to you about the seriousness of what the training is that you're going through. And we don't sugarcoat that. Um, but we make sure you have a good time at the end and, you know, you feel like you've got your money's worth. So that's one thing you, you talking about, not, not sugarcoating it. Um, I, I remember when we were at the end of defensive two, uh, my friend Evan, that was with us, you were giving a scenario of basically third party interactions and, you know, making a decision of, this is where you have to decide if you're if it's worth you getting involved in. And you had your you had your blue gun and you were using the example of a couple arguing at a gas station and a guy pulls a gun out. And I forgot what I asked you, but I asked you something like, Hey, would this be a situation you could do this or that? And you know, not not to put you on the spot, but you turn around and put the blue gun right in my face and you're like, You want some motherfucker? And It's, it's, but, but the thing is like, as bad as that may sound from somebody thinking of like, well, an instructor should never do that. It, 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 it threw me off for that split second. And it makes you realize that shit can go bad before you can ever have a chance to even think about reacting to it. And, and that was a big takeaway for that. And, and, and with that, that uh, oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, um, I was just going to say with that, do you push any more, uh, you know, situational awareness, you know, in your classes other than just shooting, other than just what, hey, you should do this at this point, you can get away with this at this point, this is considered defensive, you know, other than like, hey, let's try to avoid this altogether. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember without, without letting everybody in our, our little secret. Did we run the scenario-based drills with you with the 
with our highly exclusive multi-million dollar training aid? Yes, I believe I'm pretty okay. sure I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. So, yes, yes, you did. Yes, you did. <laughs> but but you know, it's so simple. It's something so simple, but it freaking works, man. It was it, it when you first told us about it, I was like, what is this guy talking about? Like, I thought he was cool. He's, but I'm starting to con- be concerned. Like, he's off his rocker. <laughs> so, something's not right. And then you, you yep. kind of showed us, and it was like, man, this is like, that's a slick little idea. It really is. But it's the first time now, since Zachary has developed a defensive three class for us, yeah. and there's a lot more scenario based in that. Uh, but that's at the end of our defensive two, that's your introduction. You got to figure people up to that point, they're just training on how to draw a gun and point it and shoot at a target and, you know, stepping off and shooting and drawing and shooting at a target. That's your first time where you've got somebody coming up to you and maybe they're like, Hey man, you drop your cell phone to hand me your wallet right now, motherfucker. You know? So it's, I haven't seen anybody yet really. Uh, from the from the very first time they go through that scenario, get their gun out in time and survive. Usually it's a it's a oh shit moment where they're like oh wow nope I didn't have my gun out in time at all. Uh, and it's 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 our first introduction to yep. So now it's time time for the real world rules and uh, yeah. And we we introduced that at the beginning of defensive one now. Um, we revamped the defensive one class a little bit and uh, we start talking about the defensive mindset and what you should be looking for and the use of force ladder and what you should prefer, what the statistics are on what you possibly could encounter and and what happens in those scenarios in those real life situations and stuff. So just so you have an idea of what of what could possibly happen and how you're possibly going to react and start thinking about it at least. So y'all, y'all also, other than just defensive one and two, y'all offer a dedicated concealed carry class, right? Correct. Yep. Okay. Um, it's a, it's not in a, uh, a beginner level class and it's really not even an intermediate class, but it, what it does is it introduces you to the world of concealed carry. Uh, a lot of people have no idea how their gear is going to work until you know it's too late so this is kind of a half informative half let's test your gear out in real world scenarios uh we talk about i bring all kinds of different holsters different belts different clothes uh different size guns and we go through different positions where you could wear your gun uh and then make you put layers of clothes on and try to get the gun out and I haven't had a class yet where at least three quarters of the class changes the way that they help the way that where their gun was and made a decision to go out and buy a new holster or something different because they realized the way that they were doing it didn't work. Now that's, that's one thing that a lot of I've, I've seen as a lot of people don't realize what a big difference, a good solid well-built kydex holster makes in concealed carry it can absolutely make or break your difference on you know choosing to take that with you when you grab your keys and leave for the day um i i I went through that process i did it through trial and error i found some stuff that was junk absolutely hated it 
uh, once yeah. I kind of figured out what works and realized that you get what you pay for, then, yeah. you know, it, it just made the process that much more easier. Yeah. yeah I mean, we, we have, we both have tubs of holsters at our house. <laughs> Everybody I mean, has the, for, the forbidden holster yeah. drawer. So, and it's, you know, and you never, there's 800 different holster companies out there and they make tons of different holsters themselves and you never know which one's going to be which one you're going to like which one's going to work for you until you start trying a whole bunch of them yeah it's costly and you're going to spend a lot of money yep but uh you know you got to find what works for you because i mean it's life or death at that point so you got to and that's that's a that's a hard part too for a lot of people you know because that's that's a non that's a non-refundable investment you know you get it you got it you're stuck with it i mean yeah maybe you can get lucky and find somebody else who has the same firearm but and sell it but i mean yeah yeah, it's that that's something that's it's there's you can throw a rock and hit a holster maker these days it's crazy oh yeah exactly um, we were talking today about ideas for future videos and we were talking about concealed carry gear and we we're going to say, we're going to start the video out by dumping <laughs> our tubs of holsters on the table and look at the camera. Go, if you don't have a tub like this, do you even really conceal carry bro? <laughs> you know, cause you're, <laughs> I, I hope you don't do that because I, I don't have that many. I have enough, but I don't have that many and I don't need to feel like I need to live up to an expectation in any sort of way. Well, yeah, uh, it's tough because what's that saying? How it goes? Um, carrying a gun should be comforting, not comfortable. Um, I've heard. Why can't it be both? And that's just it. Human beings are lazy. We don't like to do anything that's uncomfortable. So I'm not going to wear my gun if every time I put that holster on, it's rubbing into my side, it's rubbing me raw, it's uncomfortable. So, yeah. I'm going to find something that's com- comfortable so that I can have that gun later on me later on and be by, comforted by it. Uh, yeah. Nobody's going to put on anything that is, is just hurt you. Yeah. yeah. You'll do it once. You'll be like, I've, yeah, no, I'm going to leave it. I've ordered holsters. I put it on for the first time. Five minutes later, I was like, nope, I'm done with this one. And because <laughs> it just didn't work for me and it was uncomfortable. And yeah, I just, I just didn't like it. Now, whenever, so in your concealed carry class, when you you said you talk about clothing and everything else, when I first got started in concealed carry, it was still the CHL and it was the, it was the lengthy class. I think mine was 10 hours when I did it. Um, but I, I was coming into that, that scene right at the time where it was all about oversized vests. Hawaiian shirts, you know, while you carry this little bitty subcompact that could fit in your pocket on your waistband. Like it was absolutely ridiculous. And that was one of the big things for me when I was starting is that I was like, I'm not going to dress like that. Like I'm not going to wear a Hawaiian shirt every day just so I can carry a gun. And I always, I always heard the phrase starting off in that, that you dress around the gun and my opinion from from my carry lifestyle is that I try to I try to pick a firearm that fits my dress because me I fit I wear t-shirts yep. shorts 90% of the time it's fucking hot in Texas um yep. but you know I know other than that I mean I can conceal carry a Glock 19 and appendix just fine 
and and don't have a problem yeah. with it. And so I, I feel like there are people that are starting to step into the modern day world of like, hey, we don't have to do all this stuff. But is that something you consider with clothing in your classes? Uh, you know, like, oh, you don't have to wear a tactical come shoot me vest to conceal this. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, we just had a guy ask us uh, in one of the classes about having all the, the battle belt and all that stuff for our class. Head to toe 511. And oh, God. I'm like, <laughs> dude, wear whatever you want. Um, I mean, I'll admit, when I first started teaching and, and most of the training I went through, I wore the battle belt and all the tactical stuff and, and or the you know, the Hawaiian shirt or the, the fishing vest and all that stuff. I wore a tactical kill. Yep, that tactical kill. And, uh, You're not um, a real man if you don't. So, but now, with our focus has been more on personal defense and not tactical band camp, um, it's just dressed normally. Dress how you normally would, would dress every day. Um, what I will say is, you know, we some people take that a little too far. We had some women last year come to basic handgun classes, and we were like, you know, you don't have to dress special, but just, you know, dress for the range. And they showed up in their uh, biking shorts and tank tops, and we are like, um, yeah, that's, that's not what we meant. But, yeah. Uh, so you, you'll have that. There's appropriate dressing for to a point at the range, you have to be safe, but no, we don't require, or, or especially me anymore. I don't wear the five eleven stuff and all that stuff. I mean, our gym, 99% of the time we go to the range, it's a polo shirt and a pair of pants. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And, and I buy my pants at tractor squad. Yeah. So I mean, super tactical there. Yep. So there's, uh, I got to tell you this. It was, man, it was, uh, it's been a few months back. My wife and I went to went to breakfast with some friends and there was we, we were sitting in a booth and there's a guy that came in with his family. He had his wife and his kid, two kids. And when he came in, he was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And he was kind of like pulling at his waistband a little bit, you know? And I'm like, yep. okay. All right, more than likely this guy's packing, you know, and so, you know, the guy's with his family and his, you know, I wasn't that worried about it, but I just, my curiosity was peaked. So I kept, kept an eye on him and he was sitting there and his wife got up and went to the restroom. They were getting ready to check out and he was on the phone and he sat there and he kept, while he was sitting down, he was adjusting and adjusting and adjusting his (laughs) shirt. I'm like, all right, man, like at, at this point you're fingering it, you know, like, yep. come on. And um, he went to go get up when his wife got back and he went to adjust one last time. And when he did, he completely pulled his shirt up, fully exposed his firearm in the middle of the restaurant oh, and put it back down. And I'm sitting there like, like my heart hurt that he did that. <laughs> um it, it, it really hurt me that he did that. But the thing that drove me crazy the most is not a single other person in that restaurant noticed that that gentleman exposed a firearm in his waistband like that. It's insane, man. Yep. It just really brings to perspective that folks are oblivious to what the reality of what's around them in the world. That's yep. why I say parking lots are the most dangerous place in America. I mean, you're just looking down, you're not paying attention. Um, everybody now is on their cell phone doing what they call the 45. Your head's pointed down, looking at the phone. You're not paying attention to what's going on around you. And that's what causes a lot of incidents is because you're in the target. 
Yeah. It's and just. Been, go ahead. I say I've been in in a couple of the bigger big box stores uh, since I've been down here, and quite often I will see an older gentleman uh, open carrying his 1911 in his leather yaki holster in the four o'clock position, and not a person around is even paying attention um, at all. I, I'm picking I saw up. that not long ago. It. And, uh, it's, and, and, and usually and it's a... Yeah. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say usually it's it's an old it's usually an it's usually an old cowboy rocking his nineteen eleven. I saw one not long ago did the same thing open carry, and that's just one. You know, I, I don't know what y'all's opinion is on open carry, but to me, it's like if I was going to go and attempt something, that's the first person I'm going for. Like it just makes you an absolute yeah. target. I honestly oh, go ahead, Zach. I was just gonna say, civilian wise, I don't agree with it because um, it's the exact words you just said. You know, it, you're making yourself a target there. Um, in my career, I prefer it because then I can spot who has the gun pretty easily. But uh, yeah, that's just my opinion on it. I mean, I feel that uh, yeah, you should have every legal right to open carry, uh, whatever you dang well please. But man, if you do, you're just asking for, you're just put, painting a target on your back. Um, if, if I'm a bad guy and I'm looking for an easy gun, I'm looking for that old guy who can barely walk, open carrying that 1911, because I'll have that gun out of his holster before he even knows I'm there. I absolutely agree with you. I just, you know, I, I don't know if it's just an older mindset or something uh, that comes along with it, but. You know, for me, I'm not a door kicker. I'm not special operations. I want every advantage that I can get in the situation yep. where my life may depend on it. And if that means having the drop on somebody, man, I want it. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Um, so Zach, you're you're in law enforcement, right? Yeah. Okay. So with that, let's talk about the with the uh constitutional carry that might be coming through. I know I've heard a whole lot of that, and I've talked to some other officers that I know. Um, you know, they, they say that a lot of law enforcement oppose it. Um, they, they think, well, and I, I figured that you, want, that you weren't, but I just wanted to get your take because, you know, a lot of people, they claim that, well, how are we going to know if, you know, it's a good person or a bad person that's carrying a firearm? And my argument was, did you really know yeah, in the first place? Yeah. That's pretty plain and simple. Um, I don't, I don't oppose it. I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, I mean, if you're, yeah, you're going to have illegally acquired firearms and people who are not supposed to possess them due to their criminal history and previous convictions and things like that. And I mean, even with the LTC in place right now, they still do it. So, I mean, it's not really going to make a difference, it's in my opinion, as far as that goes. Um, so, I mean, if they're constitutionally carrying their firearm, I mean, go ahead, do it. Um, if I come and interact with you at work and you're not supposed to have it, I mean, you're going to face the consequences for it. And if you're allowed to have it, then you're going to go on about your merry way and it's going to be an end of it. That's kind of how I see it. 
That's cool. That's good to know because I I feel like there that word is getting put out there, but there aren't a lot of people asking you know other law enforcement other than the ones that are putting making their voice heard that they oppose it. You know, okay, what's what's the other side of the fence? Let's hear that before yeah. we just yeah. you know take up take in what everybody else is saying opposing it. Yeah, I mean, people who aren't supposed to have it, they don't care about the ones. See, they're gonna carry they're gonna carry it anyways. So, I mean, in my opinion, it wasn't stopping. Absolutely agree. Now, with that, because I've, so there are, with, with custom firearms, there are a couple of pages that I'm on. What I'm, one of them is, um, it's Polymer 80 Builders, and it's mostly focused around, you know, the Glock builds and everything. And you know how you get the, you know, it's a non-serialized lower that you have to complete yourself. There are a lot of people I always see concerns on there, like, hey, um, do you think it would be safe if I carry this firearm for person that I made for personal use for concealed carry and it's not serialized if I get stopped? But I've never been stopped by law enforcement when I've been carrying and had them go, Hey, let me see your firearm and inspect it and look at your serial. Uh, with those 80% lowers, uh, it really just comes down to the individual officer. Uh, not every officer is a firearms expert. Not all of them keep up with firearms off, off duty or even on duty. Um, they may not know what that 80% lower is. So they see a fire, they've only known that their duty weapon has a serial number on it. So they yep. assume that every firearm is supposed to have a serial number on it. So when they pull you over or come in contact with you or something like that, they and they don't see a serial number on it, they may, they may question you about it. Um, and they may because they just don't understand why it doesn't have that serial number on it. So be patient and explain it to them. Don't argue with them. Just explain to them, like, this is an 80% lower, and they're going to do some research, and they're going to look it up. They're going to ask questions to other officers, their supervisor, whoever, and they're going to try to figure out whether this is legit or not. And it's going to take a little time, and you're going to feel like you're being interrogated and in trouble and all kinds of things like that, but they're just trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, and and I think... I, I think that's a great answer to that. And like I said, you know, I've, I've been stopped for, you know, speeding tickets and stuff like that. And e- every time I've been stopped, I, the first thing I always do is I hand them my LTC and I have my hands in visible sight. And I say, officer, I'm giving you this. Here's my license. I'm carrying. It's in the center console. You know, I just, if you want to remove me from the vehicle so you're comfortable, it's fine. And every single time that I have done that, they all go, they all say, okay, well, that's fine. Just don't make a move towards it. I'm going to go run your information and I'll be back. I've never had any, any experience yeah. other than that. Yeah. It, it's you know, because the bad guy is not going to tell us that it's there. <laughs> 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 you know, they're trying to hide it. So, and that kind of, yeah, there's they're still going to be alert. They're still going to be trying to pay attention to the surroundings and watch what you're doing, but they're they're not going to be as uh, alert and as high as high level as they would if you didn't tell them about it and you're trying to hide it, because then they're going to think you know typically bad guys hide their stuff, so they're going to think that you're trying to figure out something. So now on the on the constitutional carry. Um, do y'all think that there's anything that we can do? Cause they're not going to have any really no requirement. Now I know the LTC is still going to be available. People can take it if they want to. Um, mostly if you travel out of state, that way you have something that 
you know, can be recognized by other states. Um, but outside of that, there's, there's no, no requirements for training. Um, and you know, as law abiding gun owners, we're responsible. We're expected to know these laws. Um, we're expected to know when deadly force can be used. If God forbid we ever have to, do you think there's anything that we can do to help, you know, people that may be stepping into this world after, you know, if constitutional carry is signed into law to get people to go get professional training. And cause you know, good and well, there's going to be that one Jack wagon that makes the rest of us look bad. It's going to have a negligent, negligent discharge, shoot himself in the foot or something. And they're going to be like, this is why constitutional carry is terrible. This is also why the, where the egos will come into play. Yeah. Um, I, I came, moved here from Vermont. Vermont had constitutional carry. It's always had constitutional carry. So there was never any prerequisites in order to be able to carry a firearm, only that you could legally own a firearm. Um, and I found that a responsible gun owner is going to seek out training whether or not a permit is required. Um, so I, I don't see that changing. Uh, the person who's going to carry that gun, uh, if, if they really care and they want to know, they're going to find out the information on as far as what they can legally do for use of deadly force and all that. Um, and yeah, I ran into a lot of people in Vermont who had misconceptions and really didn't know what they could and couldn't do uh, to use that firearm to defend themselves. And uh, so I developed a class up there and I practically gave it away and nobody was interested in taking it. Um, you know, just on the rule, on the use of force, how to carry the gun, places you could go and could not go with it. Um, so down here, I think, um, let me talk about two parts of the LTC. The, there's the proficiency demonstration down here where you have to prove that you can shoot the gun and, uh, you know, op operate it safely. That's a joke. I mean, it's, it's subpar at best. Uh, what what texas makes you do um i wouldn't count that as a as saying you are qualified to carry a gun to defend yourself by any means whatsoever but i do really appreciate the um the use of you know use of deadly force the classroom portion uh there's a lot of good stuff in there that i think again the responsible gun owner is going to go out and find out for themselves and now from what I understand, like that type of stuff is supposed to be free online, or at least uh, DPS is supposed to provide some kind of free training online, and a course like that. Uh, and personally for my business, it's not a huge part of, of, of what I do. I offer the LTC class, I offer the LTC class online, and I do the proficiency demonstrations. Um, I may get one, one or two people a month tops to do that. So it's, it's not, it's not that big of a deal out there. Now these instructors that are out there, that's all they do. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they may be struggling a little bit to try and re reevaluate the type of training they provide for what their focus is going to be on. But, um, 
no, I, I think, uh, I think you're not really going to notice any difference between that, between people, the people walking around with an LTC and without an LTC. The biggest thing, benefit of having an LTC, we already talked about how the, uh, the reciprocity is I love the fact that the state of Texas allows you to use that LTC as your background check to go buy a firearm. That's why, true. Why wouldn't you want that? I would absolutely. I would, I would go get my LTC just for that. Uh, last, yeah, I've, oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say I did it the last time I before the pandemic and crisis hit. The last time I walked yeah. into a store, I was in and out in like five ten minutes. Yeah, um, I was working at a at, at a, a range up Round Rock last year as their instructor when the um, pandemic hit. And when the line, you know, was wrapped around inside the store, out the door, around the building, around the parking lot of people trying to buy firearms, and then the NIC system crashed. And there was like maybe 25% of the people in, the, in that line had their LTCs and could just walk right up and still buy a gun. Um, and then the look on everybody else's faces were like, wait, what? How are they able to do that? Well, you know, they had their LTC. Of course, these were a lot of these people were people who had never owned a gun before, never thought about owning a gun, and then thought the world was going to come crashing down around their their head and were buying all the guns and ammo that they could. Well, that was one thing, too, that I, I thought kind of crazy when they were putting it out there. They're, you know, they're like, oh, well, you know, you're, you have to have a background check to get your LTC in. You know, we're, we're not going to be able to weed these people out who aren't supposed to be able to carry. And it's like, you still have to get a background check when you buy it. Like, That's right. It's, yeah. it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, seeing, coming from a state that has always been constitutional carry to coming down here, uh, people are like, it's going to be the OK Corral. It's going to be the Wild Wild West. No, it's not going to be any different than it was before. Not at all. If anything, it'll make things better because folks are going to start second guessing who's carrying like, and who's oh, not. Oh, yeah. That guy might have a gun now. Yeah. Uh, have a good day, sir. You know, <laughs> a lot more polite <laughs> society. <laughs> um, so, outside of handgun, y'all do rifle classes too, correct? Yes, sir. Y'all do. So, I am at some point. Me and my friend, I know we do want to do the defensive rifle with y'all um, somewhere down the road. But when it when it comes to defensive rifle, do y'all mostly focus on? Do y'all try to make it in a like a home defense type of situation, or do you keep it? You know, more of I'm going to go fight ISIS. Zachary, uh, <laughs> all I'm going to say, I'll add a little quick is our rifle classes used to be more, all right, tactical band camp, we're going to pretend ISIS is coming through the wood line. We did it. We've done a lot of revamping and, and a lot of restructuring of our classes. So I'm just going to let Zachary talk about this now. So our defensive rifle classes, um, a lot of, uh, I hear it a lot. A lot of people carry truck guns, um, things like that. I mean, in Texas, I mean, uh, I see guns, hanging in gun racks in the back of your back seat. may not be an AR, but, uh, you know, things like that. And then everybody's got rifles at home and stuff like that. Um, you can use a rifle for home defense. It just depends. I mean, you got to self-evaluate and, and decide whether that, uh, penetration level is your 
accepting of that, depending on who's all living in your house and things like that. Um, our defensive one and two are more uh, learning how to shoot defensively with a rifle, different shooting positions, and uh, how, how the rifle applies defensively. It's not really going around clearing buildings and learning how to clear your house and things like that. It's not really that. It's learning how to shoot defensively. Um, defensive three, which we just came up with, is more based on using the rifle defensively while maneuvering and things and scenario-based type stuff like that. And scenarios that you would likely have a rifle available at that time. Um, when it comes to home defense with the rifle, we really just stick on not clearing your house. It's more getting out of your house. So I'm not going to go clear every room in my house with that rifle. That's As a civilian, that's not my job. I'm going to get my family and I'm going to get out and I'm going to get out of that house as quickly as possible. And we're going to demonstrate and teach you how to do that. Um, there will be some tactical maneuvers with it, but you're, you're not going to be a tier one tactical spot operator by the end of it. You're going to be able to get out of your house safely and not place yourself where you don't want to be. Um, and that's more what that's centered around. Um, as far as, building clearing and searching every room in the house and stuff like that. That's what I get paid all those billions of dollars to do. And I'll come do that for you. <laughs> so yeah, your objective is to get out of the house. My objective is I'll come there and do the dangerous part for you. I thought my taxes were a little high this year. <laughs> yeah. So like Zach said, the defensive three class is now applying what you learned in defensive one and two for the average citizen. Uh, like he's talking about uh, egressing your house. Uh, you're in your vehicle and you've now been surrounded by the angry mob and stuff like that. So uh, it's more scenario based, more uh, realistic to what you could be expected to have to do with that. And in those classes, in that class, uh, if you come with a you know full kit with a with a tactical sling and all this other stuff. Okay, so most people with their gun at their house, as as accurate calls it, you might have your 30-30 lever action rifle. Okay, <laughs> bring your lever action rifle to the class and learn how to, to defend yourself in your house with that rifle. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, even as law enforcement, I'm not walking around with a level four hard plate vest and my ballistic helmet and everything on me all the time. It's just, I mean, yeah, cool. If you want to train with it, you spent all the money with it training with it you know you spend all that money on it but uh the actual uh well i'm trying to think of the word here well realistically chance, what you would do yeah the actual yeah. chance of you being in a defensive situation while wearing all that stuff is pretty slim yeah well that's like even um you know, a lot of people really get caught up in just the guns and gear you know they think i got this yep. it's the end all be all i'm set and you know, it's, I, I don't know if y'all, you know, follow John Lovell, Warrior Poet Society. Yep. He, um, yep. his big phrase, he always talks about, you are the weapon, the firearm is the tool. And right. just in that sense, when I think of like from a home, home defense perspective, like for my house, our main bedroom is upstairs. It's a single, it's a single stairway yep. coming straight up. If anything happens, I'm not leaving. Right. My wife can call the police. I'll grab my firearm and my light, and I'll be there at the stairwell. But if anyone comes up there, like, 
that's one way, buddy. Like there's yeah. there's nowhere else for you to go. And if it comes to that point, there you're not getting away from me at that one. Yeah. But I, I feel like that's something that a lot of people really, you know, we go get the training and we know how to manipulate, we know how to use it, we know how to shoot, but where does the mindset progress from there? You know, are, are we watching what we're doing? Are we making a mental plan? Do we have a plan at home? You know, I, I feel like those are some things that a lot of people tend to lack in regardless yeah. of what training they've had. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't have to even be like drawn out on a whiteboard and rehearse routinely with your whole family. Just think of it every now and again, just be like, okay, if this happens, this is what I'm going to do. And, and if you want to, develop a whole plan with your spouse and your child your children and everything do it i mean more power to you um but yeah it doesn't have to be that extreme just think of something of what you're going to do if this happens and like, and i and you saying that um like at work I, I work for a uh an exclusive country club and they you know we had to go through all our stuff of actors active shooter safety meetings and all that stuff yeah. but i'll i'll catch myself doing that you know when when i'm doing my runs through the clubhouse that i think yeah. okay what what if there's an active shooter what if, what if i heard shots in the lobby what's the first thing that i'm going to do yeah. and then i always you know if you asked somebody that they would say well you know if if there was nobody in front of me i'd beat it out the door okay what if there's two shooters what if there's one outside waiting for you right you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. just rolling through the scenarios, get the wheels turning and kind of yeah. get in that mindset. And before long, it's just it's just like clockwork. You don't even realize you're doing it. I do that at work all the time. I get a call and I'm taking off to somebody's house the whole way there. I'm thinking of what's what's happening, what's going to happen, what could happen and what I'm going to do in response to that to make sure everything goes as smoothly as possible. Yeah. Um. So with, with that, I know that, so there's gotta be, there's, we've always seen the YouTube videos and like the range horror stories. Y'all have got to have some, like one good, hilarious story from your training experience. Um, I'll let you do this. Not necessarily a horror story, but comical. Uh, I, there was a day that I fell in the mud. Oh, that was but awesome. I did manage to keep my gun down range, so that yep. worked out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, there are, you try to, uh, try to keep the range as safe as possible, of course, but yeah, movement classes, boy. Especially right after it rains. Uh, I don't think I've been to a movement class, whether I was a student or I was the instructor, where somebody didn't wipe out with their gun in their hand. Um, <laughs> you can tell people all day long, slow down, this is the technique I want you to use, please be careful, but you get the one person who is a little bullheaded and wants to show off, and they wore the wrong sneakers that day. <laughs> and <laughs> they hit that mud, and they go sliding. Now, luckily, every single person I've seen wipe out has had the gun in a safe direction while they were doing it, but yeah. Um, and But I've had... Uh, Talking with the gun is probably the biggest one. Yep. Talking with the gun, um, you know, because we talk with our hands. So talking with, with the gun, what do you, what, what do you? Oh, oh, oh okay, I follow. You know how you talk like this? Put the gun in your hand while you're talking to somebody like this, and this is what happens. And you know, 
damn it, quit pointing your gun at me. <laughs> and they, and you, you can't get too mad at them. Yeah, you get mad at them because they're pointing a gun at you. But, you get, but you know, people talk with their hands all the time. And they just don't realize that that's what they're doing. Yep. Um, and you have to remind them, hey, there's a gun in your hand. And then they're like, oh, my bad. And then yep. they throw it in their holster and then they go back to their hand. Oh, yeah. So one, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, The only thing I was going to say is I always appreciate the person that comes with their home build AR. And it's all like, talk about my Gucci P320 now. And it it is decked (laughs) out. And I'm like, and this is for a basic rifle course. I'm like, have you ever shot a rifle before? Well, no. That's why I'm here. I'm like, but you just built that rifle? Well, yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Well, we'll see how what long this rifle lasts, and I haven't had one make it through a class yet. Oh man! Believe fails. So, or the falls challenge off. is out there, people. Yeah, the you challenge build a rifle is out. For the first time that lasts through the class, <laughs> you'll get a sticker. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to take y'all up on that. One. <laughs> yeah. Um. So one thing I forgot to touch on earlier on. Um. While. I will always, I had a great experience with you, Doug. Um, I will always recommend y'all for the Houston and surrounding areas. But for other people that are out there that may be listening in that are outside the state of Texas or outside of our range, what, what would be some key things that someone would be looking for to know that they're getting quality professional firearms instruction? The first thing you want to look at uh, and that's actually a pretty good question because I just read an article on this and I couldn't have agreed with it more. Um, you always want to vet the instructor. Any decent instructor is going to have some kind of information about their background and training on either their Facebook or their web or their webpage, some kind of social media so that you can access. Um, then you want to look at customer reviews and this is, it's kind of hard because you don't want the person that has all great, you know, every single review says that they are, they can walk on water. And then I looked at the reviews for all of our webpage and they're all like five star. I'm like, crap, people be a little honest. <laughs> it's okay. To say I suck a little bit out there. It's all right. I know I'm not doing anything that great. Um, but then look at what their background is. Um, I don't want to say that not everybody who can do something can't teach, but you get a lot of people who were Ranger, Delta, SEAL, Sniper, who now have decided they're going to teach. And some of them can't. Some of them are really good at it. And just because you can do it doesn't mean you can teach somebody else. So look at their background. When was the last time they took a class? What do they, what, what do they are they training on topics that are outside of their realm? There are some instructors, I shall not name names, that are national level, very popular instructors right now. When you look at their background, it says NRA basic pistol instructor. And I'm like, okay. Now NRA basic pistol instructor is the starting point for probably most instructors out there. It, it is not. It shouldn't be your only one. It shouldn't be your only, exactly. And these people are teaching 
operator level classes on how to fight from a vehicle, how to fight from your car, how to defend in your house. And their background is uh, one day they decided to be a firearms instructor and took a basic pistol instructor class. So you have to look at things like that. Are they teaching well above their background level? Uh, I like to think that we are not teaching above our background level. I am not going to teach you how to go kick doors in. Was I trained on that? Sure. I did it once overseas. That's it. Um, Zachary is more trained on that, a little bit more experience than I have. So I am not going to tell you, and I'm not going to teach you how to go room clearing. I will show you, maybe talk about the basics, but it's, I, it's above my skill level to teach you something like that. Um, you have to look at things. It's, it's a, don't go, don't go for the looks, do a little digging. Um, that's, that's the best I can say is there's, there's, yeah, I can spend a day talking about instructors that, uh, <laughs> they're, they're like, wait, what are you teaching? And they, what's your background? And they don't have to be Delta SEAL sniper. Yes. To be an instructor. Um, I've talked to other instructors before that have zero military background, but they know what they're talking about. Um, and it just goes back into digging, um, seeing if you can find stuff on social media, uh, yeah. showing them instructing and see what their instructor style is. Is it yelling and screaming yeah. in your ear or is it actually teaching you how to use your gun properly? Um, and, you know, are yeah. they trying for one, some one-on-one -on -one stuff in the class or are they just standing with a megaphone screaming from 20 feet behind you the entire time. Yep. Yeah. Most instructors uh, and most places, if you're thinking about taking a class with them, ask them, hey, do you mind if I just watch? Can I sit and see how you run a class? Because I kind of want to see how you do things before I give you all my money. They should have, I would have no problem with anybody who wanted to come just watch me teach the pack. We've had that yeah. down at Thunder Gun Range. We've had people just watch us. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no, you guys suck. Or no, you guys really know what you're doing. Um, the last last big class we had, we had uh, a couple uh, social media instructors and a couple NRA law enforcement guys watch us teach our defensive handgun class for a while because they just wanted to see how we do it. No idea what and, their opinion. Nope, they just walked away <laughs> afterwards. But yeah, you should be able That's to watch That's good, though. I mean, I mean, I... You know, anywhere else you go and try to do that, it's going to be pay to play, baby. You right. want, you want to see you want to see what it is. You can fork it up. It's yep. But um, but yeah. Outside of that, man, I think this has been a good conversation with y'all. I would definitely like to have y'all back on sometime. Um, outside of that, you know, let's you know let people know where where can they find y'all. Where can they look y'all up? Uh, well, we are on. All of the social medias now. Oh, Listen, I sound like Facebook, an old man. All of the social medias. <laughs> Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah. Gotcha. And what are y'all under on that? Greg Performance Shooting? Uh, yep. Greg yeah. Performance Shooting on Facebook. Uh, Greg Performance Shooting on Instagram and YouTube as well. Yep. Um, and then we also have our website, gregshooting.com. Uh, that's where you'll find our class schedule and details about the classes and stuff yep. like that. We do post stuff on Facebook pretty routinely. Uh, in reference to classes and things like that. We also put some interesting articles for people to read out. Yep. Stuff like that. And then uh, Thunder Gun Range has been putting a lot of our stuff on TikTok as well under their under their name. So, yeah, kind of branching out now. I haven't gotten into the TikTok yet. I'm not, I, I I'm not giving into that one. 
I let Zach and maybe I'll get one of my daughters to to wrangle that. I stuff. I attempted it <laughs> for a short moment. It didn't work out very well, so I left it. Like I said, I, I barely stopped like, saying. <laughs> I feel ashamed. I I can't do it. Like, <laughs> I feel ashamed. But yeah, all right. Well, uh, for anybody listening out there, go look up Greg Performance Shooting. They're on Instagram, Facebook. They got some videos out there on YouTube. Uh, if you need to talk to them, give them a shout. They're more than welcome to listen to you, fill uh, fill out your needs and what you need to learn. And uh, yeah, give give them a chance. They got some good solid training. I enjoyed my time with them there personally, um, and they definitely helped me become a better shooter. So. Anyways, guys, out for that one. Um, We'll see y'all next time. Later. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So I'm hitting stop.